could stay there a while, but um, that's a, having mentioned the word grace, I better start uh, what the boss asked us to do, uh, which talk about grace. And there should be very luck. We had a technical hitch this morning, but with any luck, Paul will get. Oh, there you go. Um, I, I have to say that um, uh, I want to apologise in advance. Um, when I looked at these slides just for the service, I'd spelt Ephesians four different ways in three slides. <laughs> Uh, and if you're, I've corrected them, I think, but who knows? I was clearly very tired when I did this. Um, and and um, if you're like me, there's nothing that distracts me more in worship than when there's an Americanism or a spe spelling wrong on the slides. Who does this? Yes. Right? There's favor. Okay. And from that point, I've lost any sense of worship by getting angry with the words or whatever. So uh, I'm sorry about that, if that offends you this evening, but just bear with me. Grace with me. Grace. Last week... No, last week, two weeks ago, um, Vicky spoke about mercy. Laurie's given us a whole sequence this term, what he calls gates to his presence. Gates to his presence. The um, chap this morning, uh, Tim, had a picture before um, the service this morning um, of a metal detector. Those things you go through that go buzz, you know what I mean, things at airports? Um, and about, you know, like, just somehow... I, I, he said in terms of it just pick up things that need to be left behind... I saw, I saw, I thought it's a really powerful picture of sometimes what it is to come in to God's presence. In some, you know, almost a physical sense into worship in church or wherever. Hi, David. Just, just coming in, in terms of the stuff you've got to leave outside, that makes sense? You don't take. I once, this is not at all relevant to the talk, but um, I once went climbing in, um, in, in Norway. And in my ignorance, I tried packing my petrol stove in my rucksack um, with the petrol. Um, and they wouldn't let me go through. I said, look, I'm flying in a plane that's got 8,000 litres of highly explosive petrol. What's another litre going to do? If it blows up, you know, my... But they wouldn't have it. I had to watch them destroy my petrol stove. It was sad. I know, yeah, I know. Bought another one, I got to there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how did I say? Oh, yeah. But I think in a way, there's something about that, quite a powerful thing for us, that, that we have to sort of dump stuff as we come in, I'm not thinking that physically, but spiritually, do you get me? Leave stuff behind and as we come into, into Father's presence. And sometimes I think the talks here, the teaching here, are like that. They're reminding us to dump stuff. Right? I, I hope it's good teaching. I hope it blesses you. But in a sort of way, it's an opportunity to refocus on truth so we can dump stuff. Do you get me? Because in one sense... We can just come into God's presence. But part of the joy of grace, of what, what we've got in Jesus, is just walking into God's presence. Isn't it amazing? You know, I can be, I can be walking through Amersham, I can just say, Father. I, I, it's just awesome that, that we have that relationship that's like, I mean, it blows my mind when I think about it. But I think there's an intentionality, like I say, and sometimes going through like a metal detect, like, whoa, let's get this stuff out. And a bit of that this evening, I think, is about this. Grace, you know what grace is. We've talked about it so much. It's a fantastic thing to preach on, it has to be said. But it's not really a new topic. I'm going to start with, two, so I'm going to start with a couple of silly little things first um, about grace and mercy. And then um, I want to do some hard stuff, the stuff that really makes me, I don't get about grace. Is that okay? I'm going to share my ignorance with you. Is that all right? And then I'll get on to the good, cool stuff at the end. Is that, is that okay? So we end up on that, rather than leaving Johnny with a, an issue. Strangely, some of this relates accidentally to um, what Tim said this morning. Next slide. Tim mentioned this, 
This is the old-fashioned. This is what I was taught as a 14-year-old in, in Pathfinders back in the day. Uh, God's riches at Christ. It's an acronym for grace. Do you get it? And it's actually not bad. I mean, people sort of poo-poo these things. But in my 14-year-old brain, um, that, that's still what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything that God gives to us, and Jesus has paid for it. And in some ways, that's it. Stop talk. Uh, we used to sing a song. Next slide. If you remember this song, do not sing it. Remember this song? Anyone remember song? Grace is when God gives other things we don't deserve. And mercy is when God does not give us the things we do deserve. Do you get it? It's a kid's song, um, but it's got a really deep truth in it. <laughs> mercy, God's mercy and grace are very closely related. Right? And Jack, Vicky actually spoke about grace, uh, mercy two weeks ago. Mercy is the fact that God, in his loving kindness towards us, does not judge us but forgives us. Grace is the fact that he gives us all manner of stuff we don't deserve, having been forgiven. Four weeks ago, uh, first of these things on gates of his presence, we talked about blood and how the blood of Christ on the cross uh, covers our sins. Without that, you get nowhere at all. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, mercy, and this week about, about, about grace. Now, the word grace, um, charis in, in, in the Greek, um, and there's a similar word uh, in the Old Testament, kala in Hebrew, um, which comes up quite a lot. The word in the Old Testament, um, which is similar, uh, is often translated favour. So if you're looking for the word in, in the word studies, you'll find grace in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, often the translations translate it as favour for reasons I'll not go into, but I might. Both of the words come from a root, both the Hebrew word and the Greek word, the Greek word particularly, from a root word that means to lean towards. It's like a bias towards. Do you get it? It's like God's on our side. Do you hear me? And, and it, it has that sense of, of a, say, a leaning towards something. Of, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I support all football teams, but I lean towards Spurs. Well, how do they, I've got the result anymore, by the way. Yeah, hey, thank you, Lord. Right? Uh, that, I'm biased. I, I lean towards my kids. Right? When I was, you know, like teaching and stuff, I tried very hard not to lean towards particular people. I always felt myself leaning towards the bad kids in the class. Kathy smiles, yeah? Yeah, because they've got character. But you've got to stop not do that. Grace is something about God's... Un, we don't deserve it. We just get lots of stuff because God just loves us. Now, this brings me... I want to say a little bit about, about the stuff um, that I personally find hard. Because I don't think... Um, the, the absolute truth is wonderful and fantastic. But when you come to think about it, my, my Western scientifically trained brain finds real problems with this, and you may not. Right? So the next bit you don't think, I've never thought worried about that, then just, just be, be, be joyful. But I think a lot of people might, might feel a bit like this, because when I've spoken to people, uh, particularly young people in a way, it gets a bit like this. this is a, I think sort of the first place it's mentioned is here. Can you see the word in bold? This is the beginning of the flood, Okay. And the text tells us that the earth was evil, the Lord regretted he made human beings, not going to that for the moment. His heart was deeply troubled, the Lord said, I'll wipe from the face of the human race I've created, and with them animals, the birds and the creatures that move on the ground. For I regret that I've made them. Whew. Let's not go to that. But Noah found favor. grace. God lent towards, favour, that's right, God lent towards Noah. At this stage, later on we find he's a righteous man, but at this stage there seems like no reason for that at all. 
He's going to wipe out all the people, but not Noah. Why? Is that, is, is my Western brain problem, is that fair? <laughs> In a way, from a human perspective, particularly from a Western scientific human perspective, grace is unfair. Just live with it. We've come to a bit more on it. But it worries me. It deeply troubles me sometimes when I think about it. And it sometimes troubles, sometimes, hang on, sometimes it troubles me when I think about it. And sometimes it troubles me that I, it troubles me. Do you care? <laughs> I, I think I really ought to get this, Lord. But it still feels to me like this isn't, next slide. The whole of the Old Testament. Next. Oh, oh it's a long one. Well, you know this check probably. The whole of the Old Testament, from there onwards really, well, after, after the flood and stuff, uh, is about this man Abraham. And then there's the chosen people. There's a text from Deuteronomy 7, I think, where, where, where God says, Moses says, you know, to God, sorry, God says to Moses, you're a holy people of the Lord. He's chosen you to be for their possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth, the Lord did not send the direction on you and choose you because you were more numerous, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you. He chose you because he loved you. And he loves you now because he'll be faithful to you, the covenant, because, he, because he's chosen you. And again, I sort of think, when Abraham got the message, the text, you know, remember Abraham's calling? It says that, in fact, it's really complicated, Abraham's calling, because it looks like he was called from Ur of the Chaldees, but it wasn't him that left there, it was his father who left there. And he gets as far as Haran and stops. But why did God choose Abraham? When, he, when the call comes, when, when God calls him out of your other Chaldees into, into a promised land, it's God's sovereign choice. There doesn't appear to be any Western mindset, rational explanation for it. It doesn't seem to be very fair to Western mindset. That's the story that goes through the Old Testament. In fact, I think Paul, I don't think he had a Western scientific mindset for various obvious reasons, but I think he wrestles with the same thing. It's not on screen, but I'm going to read a bit of Romans 9 to you. And I, just you read this, and the first time I read it, I thought, oh yeah, Paul, you, you, you know the, the struggle I have with grace. He says this. He's talking about, um, it's not of those God word, sorry, a little, 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 little. Not only that, but Rebecca's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born, who had done anything, good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might be stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she, as Rebecca was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it's written, Jacob I loved, but he saw I hated. Western mindset, that's not fair. Do you get it? Now, sorry, I'm going to say more about this, whether you like it or not, but who, who shares my right? Yeah. No, you get this. And, 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 but I just think, it just, see, Paul goes on. I say, Let's do the Paul thing first, right? Tell him my thing. And what, are you gonna, what should we say then? Is God unjust? Question mark. At least Paul understands my concerns here. That grace is amazing, awesome, mind blowing, and it cuts across. Anything my brain tries to work out, don't try and work it out. Believe the truth in the end and accept the amazing truth 
But don't try and square it with, like I say, our scientific mindset, because you won't. Paul says, though, not at all. For it's just to Moses, hang on, Paul says, is God unjust? Not at all. For it's just to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. That doesn't help Paul. That just restates the problem. <laughs> Thanks, mate, but that doesn't really actually untie it for me. It just says the same thing. God will have mercy on whom he'll have mercy. You have compassion, doesn't use the word grace, but it's close. Whom will have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says of Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who resists his will? But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay pottery for noble purpose and some for common use? Goes on in Romans 9. Now that's the, that's the heart for me. That's the hard stuff. Understanding, because God is just. God is absolutely just. He's a holy God. But, but somehow my brain patterns, the way I think of what justice is, is just not right. And, and in a way, this relates closely to the problems that some of us have with the whole problem of suffering in the world. How can a righteous God allow kids to suffer? Yeah? But that's because, because we just don't get it. Paul's argument in the end is, what are you saying? You're like a finite mouse, ant, talking back to God. Of course you don't get it. Of course you don't understand it. But, but believe me, God is holy and trustworthy and loving. And everything, we just got to sometimes say, Lord, you're sovereign. You have mercy on you have mercy. And that's your sovereign right. I don't, I don't have to understand it. I have to obey it. I have to respond to the truth of it. My job isn't to teach you how to do it. It's not to write the equations down to make sure it balances up. My job is to hear the truth. So that's my, that, that is where grace really hurts, finds it difficult for me. And of course, it becomes very personal. When I've you know, walked with people who I know God loves, who reject that grace. When I do funerals for people, and I stand at the front, and know the gospel is absolutely true. Jesus' blood was shed for all, but it's not effective for all. And at times, this dilemma is not just an intellectual dilemma, it's a personal dilemma. Do you get me? And, and, and I sometimes I end up just, you know, I end up where Paul is. Lord, you'll have mercy, you'll have mercy, you are sovereign. You are good, you are loving, I declare that I believe that you are good. Make sense? But be careful to understand, try and understand it too much. Hey, let's now go to the stuff that you say. I'm going to use Ephesians 4. I think the next slide is Ephesians 4. This is, I'm going to, I'll just read this slide first, actually. This is Ephesians 4. When Paul is really talking about grace, he's going to make the point. In this passage, 10 verses, he says, By grace you've been saved twice. And he wants to make the point here that grace 
is completely free. It's nothing we earn. It's given to us. But it's absolutely everything comes from it. That God is so generous here that he gives us undeservedly. Again, Western mindset is not fair. I haven't deserved this. I only get, you know, if I work for a day, I get paid for a day. That's my Western mindset. Somehow there's like a sort of, you know, a deal goes on. No, no, it's not that at all. Absolutely free. And I think my problem with my mindset, my Western scientific mindset, about how can God condemn some people, comes here, and it's really hard to get out the last vestige of somehow I've got to earn it. It, it, it persists deeply in me. Does that make sense? That God can't really love me today because I've been a bad boy. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I know it's still there. And, and, and it has to be, like, I don't know, I have to, like, shout it down somehow or other. Because if it's great love for us, it always comes from love. God, who is rich in mercy, makes us alive in, with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Notice those three bits in bold. There are things that Jesus did. He made alive. Jesus came alive. He was resurrected from the dead. It's the resurrection. But Paul's saying, by grace, we've been resurrected. Right? We've been made alive. Well, we know the stuff, don't we? We're new creations. We've been made alive. He's not talking about Jesus here. <laughs> He's talking about three things that are true of Jesus. Made alive, resurrection. Raised us up, ascension to heaven. Seated, it's called the session, technically, in theological language. Jesus is sitting in glory, okay? The resurrection, the ascension, and the session of Christ. But he applies them to us. He says, in grace, we've been raised with him. We've been seated with him in heavenly places. That sense of, like, you know, you're seated because you're in charge. You're seated because you have that authority. And raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly realms. All that stuff comes by grace. Grace gives us God's riches at Christ's expense. It means that we've got all this stuff that God's given to us undeservedly. We haven't earned it. We haven't worked for it. We don't deserve it. God gives it to us. Grace is amazing. And, and as long as I can get myself over the bump of feeling sufficiently un unworthy, it's just, whoa, Lord, it's fantastic. I think I've got a bit, a little bit here. If you look at the verbs here, go on, next section. Why? And he picks up several things here. It's a fantastically rich section, this. Because of his great love, this all comes from love. Love, again, remember, it's the agape word. It's the love that doesn't respect return. It's the, it's the self-giving love. It's God's love for us, not because we give something to him. He just loves us. He does it because he loves us. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make much logical sense, but that's the truth. The gospel doesn't make a lot of sense. Paul says at one point, you know, it's folly to the Greeks and anathema to the, to, the, to the Jews. The gospel is truth, but it's not very logical at times. It doesn't often make much physical sense. But God has loved us and forgiven us despite all we've done. He sent his son to die for us given us mercy and in grace. And his love, because he's a great love for us, he's rich in mercy. Okay, we heard that from last week. And to show the incomparable riches of his grace, it's like laying layer on layer here. 
Grace itself is like incomparable. Now the incomparable riches is grace and his kindness expressed in Christ. The sort of things he piles up as like, you know, why God did it. But again, he just did. Next slide. Uh, this is verse 8. And like, anyway, um, I'm going to sort of come into land here in a sort of way, a bit longer yet, but uh, for his uh, bigger text, you can tell it's coming towards the crux because it's got big text. For it is by grace, you, but by the way, has Ephesians been spelt so right so far? You noticed? Mm. Good girl. Uh, it's been grace you've been saved through faith. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. You see, it becomes effective through faith. All this stuff is available to us, but to, to make it effective for us, we have to come to the place. To quote this morning, we have to stand in the right place to receive blessing. And the place to receive all this grace stuff is, I believe, I accept. Just give me. Not the place that says, hey, God, look at me. I've been a pretty good boy today. I've been to church three times. Bless you. I've preached a brilliant sermon at eight o'clock. That's not true, by the way. But I've given money to the guy blegging in Amersham High Street or whatever. I don't know what you've done today. It's been good. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith always matters here because we have to come to the place where we accept that's all we have is what God's given us. He's given us everything, absolutely everything, through Jesus' death on the cross. We put ourselves in that open, that place of empty-handed. I've come to the end of myself, Lord. I want to receive. It's not from yourselves, it says. It's the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Paul's making the point here that, that we've got no grounds to boast. In fact, some of the commentators sort of say here, it almost looks as if this is why, the, this is why God did it this way. It's almost as if the whole point of, of, of the way the cosmos is and the Abraham choosing and all that stuff and the grace stuff is to get to the point where actually we, we can't boast. There's no one who can say, actually, I've got here my merit. Right? Everyone is in the same place, saved by grace. It's the gift of God, the free gift of God. By works here, of course, he means stuff, good stuff you do. And he wants to emphasize that by grace that you've been saved, by this free gift, almost irrational gift. I, again, I mentioned last Sunday, that's because I was thinking about I remember end of last Sunday service, I mentioned the reckless love of God. People complained about that word in that song, that God can't be reckless. Oh, yes, he flipping can. This is incredibly reckless to offer free forgiveness to anyone who takes it. Look at the, look at the Muppets that come into the kingdom. Look round. <laughs> I mean, can you, uh, you know, if I was, if I was organising a, a new kingdom, I'd, I'd have a selection procedure and, and I'd have to make sure everyone did physics A-level before they got anywhere near being a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd have a selection criteria. God, God. Reckless love or whatever says, yeah, anyone, come to me, all who labor heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not those who like good or clever or rich or whatever else, or good looking. <laughs> oh, that is, 
Grace is, in a sense, reckless in that sense. But God opens up the kingdom. All you've got to do is come and accept it. <laughs> you have to come and accept it. It's by faith. But it is. Next verse. Okay. Uh, for, well, God's handiwork. Creator. Handiwork. I think we've said this before here, but the word treasure handiwork here, or, or workmanship in, in the older versions, it is like God's masterpiece. It's like God's work of art, right? I, that's, you know, that, there's a real power in that, that truth that, that, that God delights in you, that God's made you individual. I, I just, I, I often think this, and again, as you know, I'm, I do maths, not, not biology, but I often look at, at like ants and think they all look the same. But look at people. Even as you look at them, they're all uniquely different. I mean, it's bizarre that you can have nine billion people on the planet and not one of them seem to look the same or sound the same. There's something unique about every person that God's made in his image. And everyone is offered life if you come and take it by faith. And I think there's, again, a real power here. You know, I, I don't, sometimes I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe that I am special. Or another children's song, I am special for God loves me, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm not more special than Denise or die, but I am special, right? I, I'm no, no better or worse, than, well, I probably am worse than Denise, because for lots of reasons, but, right? But, but I'm loved by God. I'm his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus. This isn't looking at the old creation necessarily, really. It's looking at the new creation, do you get? You are a new creation in Christ. You're created in Christ Jesus. Who you now are, the God's workmanship in you, is the thing that has been created in the saving work of Jesus, in that new birth. I mean, I was pretty good before I was a Christian, you know. Pretty good, God made everyone, it's wonderful. But the miracle of it is that I'm created now in Christ Jesus, raised with him, seated with him in the heavenly places, by grace. Oh, to do good works, which God prepared for us advance to do. Notice that we're not saved by doing works we're saved for doing works say it after me we're not saved by by doing works we're saved for doing works it's the redeemed people the people who know jesus the people who are in his kingdom the people who have this god understand god's grace who are the ones jesus can use to do good works and they're prepared in advance for us to walk in or um that misphrase for us to do I mean, it blows my mind. If that verse, and I think it does, actually mean what I think it means. Paul's talking in Romans 9 about before the creation of the world, God chose us. Before the creation of the world, God chose us. And prepared good work for us to walk in. The last 48 hours, I've, I've done a couple of what um, you might, might call pastoral visits. One involved beer and one involved coffee. But these days, pastoral visits almost always involve beer or coffee. I prefer the beer ones largely, but that's why, wherever it goes. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> uh, it was commercial coffee, Johnny, not your quality coffee. But I think they were good works. And I've 
sort of feel that I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to, 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 to do those two things. Are you telling me that God sort of knew that before the creation of the world? Who are you to answer back to God? How small is your grasp of what the cosmos is? That I can vaguely understand what's going to happen tomorrow. But God has this ability, this view, this, this unbelievable ability to, to, to see the end from the beginning. I'm quoting Isaiah there. God says, only I can declare the end from the beginning. You know, Satan can't do that. The enemy is very active. He's the prince of this world. But he is incredibly limited as well. Again, I was thinking the other day about, you know, what was he doing in getting Judas to pray Jesus? To what praying into, playing in, praying into, playing into, you know, God's hands. So, somehow so focused on hurt and evil that he's lost, he lost the sense of where it's going. I don't understand it quite either. But just as a strategy, militarily speaking, it was a, it was a mistake. Agreed? But God knows the end from the beginning. And if that's not awesome, I don't know what is. But by faith. Go back a slide. Sorry. That's the backspace key. That's it. You, by grace you've been saved through faith. And we walk by faith. Grace is awesome and everything's available to us, but we apportion it, we grasp it, we ascertain it, we get it effective by faith. And you are, those, back a slide again, it's a, it's a landing backwards, oh that's the wrong one, uh, no, back, one more, sorry, oh that's better, I can read that, all right, we're made alive with Christ, we're raised up with him, we're seated with him. I said to John, if I go rabbiting on, just come and pick a guitar up, okay? <laughs> Because because <laughs> I, I, think, I think this grace thing is amazing. <laughs> I can go on for hours about this. <laughs> but those things are absolute truth. But don't miss the truth of it by not grasping by faith. And sometimes, for me, faith requires me to lay aside my understanding a bit and say, God, I just want to thank you. I want to I just want to thank you that I'm, re- I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm workmanship in Christ. I'm, I'm raised with him. I'm seated in the heavenlies. And let's have a look. Let's open our eyes and see what it looks like from the heavenlies. We do this a bit, don't we, anyway? That's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense.